your voice. So to every parent who dreams for their child and every child who dreams for their future, I say these words to you tonight. I am with you. I will fight for you. And I will win for you. tonight in all of our cities and in all of our towns I make this promise we will make America strong again we will make America proud again we will make America safe again and we will make America great again God bless you and good night. I love you. Hello, 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 ladies and gentlemen, good evening, good evening all, and uh, welcome to a brand new edition of The Sea Report, coming to you live on this Tuesday, February 8th, 2022. I am your host, Mr. C, and I hope you all are having a great evening and day, or night, depending on where you are in the world, and if you're watching us live, we are broadcasting this episode um, on um, Foxhole, Pilled, Rumble, Twitch, and uh, a missing one. Clout Hub. How could I forget about you guys over there? Howdy over there, Clout Hub folks. I hope you guys are having a wonderful time over at the hub that is full of clout. All right, I just thought I'd throw that in there because, you know, I just totally forgot who they were for just a moment, you know. But anyhow, uh, coming live on, uh, you know, uh, I think stations, I think, you know, you always want to diversify in this day and age. Now, maybe back in the day, we would diversify because we wanted to extend our reach. You know what I mean? Like, you never know when uh, you might reach someone that you wouldn't have reached otherwise unless you had uh, branched out to several various different platforms, right? Uh, but these days, it seems that it's more to escape the hound of censorship, uh, which seems to come at us more and more. I think even the left-leaning liberals, the neoliberals, you know, uh, are starting to see that a little at a time. Now, clearly not the ones who are totally blinded by their own loathing and hatred, but uh, by those who um, have a sliver of logic and reasoning and maybe a slight remembrance of the way things used to be. But admittedly, they wouldn't really remember if they're a neoliberal because they're most likely under the age of 25 or 30. You know, 
they're under the age of 40. I find it hard to believe that there are people within my age range that uh, have absolutely no idea. But then again, I should know because I went to school with most of these people. Most of these people who have become just sick and uh, demented and uh, either convoluted thought processes or, you know... I'm at a loss for words, but like I said, I went to school with most of these people. So, they're the ones running the schools right now trying to be rebellious and teach children about, uh, you know, self-gratification or, you know, trying to uh, trip them up on gender analysis or being trans species, apparently. Anyways, um... Yeah, those ones, folks. Yeah, I guess they're within my age range. Guilty. I did not want to be considered a millennial, but unfortunately, uh, history and fate has sealed that for me. I can't do nothing about when I was born. Um, I would say that it seems like some of the millennials that are good, like, are really good. You know what I mean? Kind of like Swivel Your Hips, James O'Keefe. I mean, I would even say Candace Owens as well, uh, because they would fall within my age range. Uh, those two uh, uh, absolutely popular and stunning, uh, you know, specimens of patriotism. Uh, but anyhow, guys, enough about that. I, I don't know why I went off into that. You know, it's because... It's just very interesting, folks. Very interesting, the times that we're living in. But, um, you know, generations afterwards, you know, after the millennials, I have no idea what they would be called at this point. But uh, it's, I, I think that uh, aside from an entire generation and a half that are going to be totally damaged... Uh, not just because of the pandemic that was, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, pre-planned for our uh, demise. Not just because of, uh, you know, uh, all of the uh, uh, Marxist, divisionist uh, ways of thinking that were instilled into these children at very young ages. And not just because... Uh, there is a society that has preyed upon these kids and tried to normalize their perversion with children. Uh, but because um, history, ladies and gentlemen, history has been totally corrupt and uh, has been lied to the majority of us, I think you all would agree, from probably much farther back than we would have expected. And uh, it feels like coming out on the other side of this, that uh, it's going to be a huge learning curve for many people. Of course, admittedly, many of those people that are going to suffer that learning curve will probably suffer the effects of triple or quadruple jabs by the time we get there. Okay, so that might take care of the majority of the problem. But for the uh, contrary... Conversely speaking, uh, those who are fighting for liberty and those who are truly understanding it at a young age now, uh, those are the ones that will be the leaders of liberty and the champions of freedom moving forward. So that when I hit the ripe old age of whenever I can't walk anymore, um, you know, I, I at least can take comfort in knowing that we have some young folk... <laughs> 
that understand the value and the truth of liberty, justice, and, uh, you know, common sense, I think is probably most important. Um, well, I mean, it's a por important among the three. I think those, you know, pretty much go hand in hand. So we'll see. I mean, I just, I think I'm kind of thinking about uh, some of the clips I see about students who are standing up to uh who are standing up to the, the tyrannical overreach of the government that has seeped its way into the school system and uh the things that they are doing uh, and the way that they are speaking uh i gotta say when i was in high school there was no no child there that spoke or thought as complexly as some of the young ones in these younger years, younger generations are doing. So that's a good thing, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, something that they, they may have been trying to destroy the world and destroy, you know, our country and, and destroy uh, generations of thought younger generations of thought, actions, morals, etc. But what they don't realize is they're going to have a reactionary, uh, a reactionary uh, push against it, where people are not going to want to deal with that, ladies and gentlemen. They are not going to want to deal with it. They're going to want to uh, do better, have better, and be better, and leave something better behind for those who will be coming after them. So, uh, you know, they just, I guess they just don't think that it's because these, these people on the dark side, they think in absolutes, they're like, we're going to kill them all. That's right. And when we kill them all, there's not going to be anyone that thinks differently from us because they'll all be gone. Well, buddy, you know, uh, nothing is absolute, you know, so you're, you're not going to kill all of us, obviously. And there will always be a resistance. There will always be that, ladies and gentlemen, to look forward to, regardless of how big or horse or how small it is. Uh, indeed, indeed. Uh, you know, when we're talking about the, um, when we're talking about the, rev uh, the, uh, the re revolutionary war, when we're talking about, uh, the war of independence, all of that stuff, it started off very small. It started off very small when, uh, to be a patriot was a hard thing to do. And then eventually everyone joined in because, hey, it's not so bad being a patriot when you're on the winning team, is it? Of course it's not, but that's absolutely not to denigrate anyone's uh, feelings towards being a patriot at all. But anyhow, I'm getting a little bit long-winded here. How's everyone doing tonight? I hope you guys are doing great, grand, festively, uh, plump, you know, and uh, in enjoying your Tuesday afternoon. Um, you know, today I just, I had to have some coffee. So uh, if I'm a little peppy, that might be why. I was just, uh, you know, I was up late last night getting trying to get our uh podcast caught up it took me about two hours to get one one uh, one episode done okay <laughs> so uh we'll we'll be working on that again ladies and gentlemen probably after the show tonight i think i probably got into the bed about 3 30 or 4 a.m probably fell asleep about five and then i had a visit from some family early so i was up again and i was here well, I spent the day with them. And so, you know, I was just happy to be on at a semi-decent hour, you know, somewhere in between what we used to do here at the Sea Report. But boy, was I falling asleep. So I had to, it ain't nothing that makes one fall asleep more than reading paragraph upon paragraph and scouring headlines. I just, you know, I was like, if I had a video to play for you guys tonight then maybe I wouldn't have had so much reading to do. But alas, there will be no videos for you guys tonight. 
So, uh, you know, you know, I was looking for a video. One of the topics that we have for tonight's show, uh, we're, we're really gonna be focusing on, um, some things such as like the electoral college count or the electoral count act. I apologize of 1887. Now it would have been really nice to have found a nice educational video on the electoral count act of 1887 to share with you all. I could not find one and I definitely was not going to share one with you guys that was, you know, created within the last month because you know, any, any videos, any news topics, any stories, any historical perspectives on the electoral uh, Count Act of 1887 is going to be totally maligned with biased points of views, etc., etc., etc. So, anyways, um, I, you know, I, I was like, after wasting about, I don't know, almost an hour of time trying to see if there was any videos worth curating for you guys, I finally just gave in and I said, you know what? We're just going to look at the text itself. So, we'll talk about that a little bit later on. In fact, uh, today's shows will most definitely be, um, 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 it will most definitely follow the track of President Trump and his statements. He's, he's really outlined a very nice report for us tonight, ladies and gentlemen, the president has. He said, here you go, Mr. C, here are my statements, make a show out of them. I said, okay, Mr. Trump, I'm going to do that for you, Prez. Uh, but before we do that, like I said, we, I was working on the C report, so I think we're up to episode 239 on our, uh, podcast, you know, and, oh, what did I do? And, and I won't, uh, I won't push the podcast too much, but for those of you who are joining us over on, you know, Rumble or A, okay, for those of you who are joining us over on Rumble or those of you who might be new to the show, uh, you may never have heard of our, uh, podcast. So, uh, you can get our episodes to go, uh, to be, uh, played, Orally, orally, a u r a, not orally, orally. Although it, it is an oral interpretation of the show, uh, you just don't got to watch it. You know, if you uh, if you're on the go, if you don't have a chance to uh, sit down and you know watch something or catch us live, uh, you can always most definitely check out the podcast version of the show. Always available at anchor.fm slash the C report every time you listen to an episode of the C report on any podcast platform you absolutely support the show uh we get like i don't know two cents per play or something like that but it all adds up in the end ladies and gentlemen uh you know we're available on apple Podcasts, spotify breaker go ogle podcasts overcast pocket casts radio public casts stitcher casts uh just to name a few and some very obscure um, you know, podcast players as well. We're also on Podbean. I don't know how we got on Podbean, but we're there. So that's kind of cool. My demographics have actually been shifting on the podcast. I'm actually getting an 18 to 25 <laughs> listenership. And, uh, and finally my male, female, you know, uh, my male, female, um, 
uh, um, demographics are starting to even out. But, you know, I don't know how this happens. I actually have some like non-binary listeners as well. <laughs> I don't know how they figure that out, but I, I, they figured it out somehow. I got some non-binary listeners. I got some like like trans uh, trans species listeners. Go figure. I don't understand. Are, are you listening to me from space or something like that? And then uh, New Zealand, interesting enough, is also like the second most popular place to catch the sea report after the United States, of course. And then, you know, Canada and Russia and China also follow suit in that. Yeah, interesting. I mean, it's, it's always interesting to know who your audience is. So we got an international audience, that's for sure, um, at least on our podcast side of the show. So, uh, well, anyways, uh, that's why I'm like, anytime, day or night, wherever you are, you know, hopefully you're enjoying the show, etc. But yeah, we're up to two, 239 on the podcast, uh, and we're episode 243 tonight. So I'll be working on getting at least two more up tonight so I can stay caught up. What really put me behind was the, uh, the like nine hour anniversary. Actually, I was at nine or 10 hours that we did on anniversary day. That's what put me behind. I was like, you know, the little engine that could was going to keep on chugging along. Chugga, 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 chugga. But, you know, well, uh, life and other things, ladies and gentlemen. I'll try and make no excuses for you all, I promise. Uh, yeah, and like I said, we are on Spotify as well. So, you know, uh, uh, get us there while you can. Uh, because, Well, I don't, you know, I don't feel that threatened by Spotify anymore. I've, I've uh, known of... I've known of, uh, I've known of, uh, you know, some podcasts and also, you know, uh, digital warriors who have been kicked off of Spotify, uh, but we've managed to dodge that bullet so far, you know, and, and the haters will say, well, it's because you're controlled opposition, Mr. C. Look at that uh, corporate potato head in a suit and tie. Well, you know, uh, some of us like to get dressed up, so just get over it. And, uh, well, that's pretty much that, ladies and gentlemen, as far as some of the housekeeping goes. Uh, let me see what we got going on over at our chat rooms just for the moment. Oh, yeah, railing on. How could I forget? Canada is also on that list, but I think they're like, I think they're after New Zealand, but before China. Did I say Canada? I might have said Canada, or I probably forgot Canada. I don't know, but they are on that list, though. Can Canadians do enjoy listening to the show. Uh, Rail Anon, Sean Joe, thank you for donating uh, to the show tonight. At the head of the show, we appreciate you very much for showing your support in that manner. Uh, we're getting 100 gold pills, 117 gold pills, 123 SKGs, also donating a can, 200 gold pills. So thank you so much. Uh, your support is always appreciated. Keep the lights on and for the time being it's going to keep me with some coffee so I can come at you guys in a very frenetic and uh, post-convoluted type of speak <laughs> that hopefully you guys can understand and I don't get too, uh, you know, jittery up here. Uh, it is espresso. Yep, yep. Espresso medium roast. Uh, uh, you know, I, I just, I like my coffee strong, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, what's going on, Sherry Pittsburgh? Good to see you tonight. Thanks for joining us. I hope you guys are having a great time over there hanging out at the foxhole. As we press along, ladies and gentlemen, uh, tonight's show is brought to you guys by the New York Post, The Hill, The Western Journal, The Gateway Pundit, um, Emerald Robinson's The Right Way. And we do have a few.
few dishonorable mentions today to give us some perspective and counter counter uh, counterclockwise points of view. Uh, and those uh, those dishonorable mentions would include the National Review, the Wall Street Journal, Reuters, and Fox News. All right. So with that said, ladies and gentlemen, let's go ahead and jump into today's show. We have uh, some statements to start off. Actually, we're going to start off with some statements from President Trump that are actually endorsements, ladies and gentlemen. So that's why I pulled up, you know, the I pulled up the classic from the desk of Donald J. Trump graphic because I just thought it would be very weird if we started off with this graphic. Boop. Who's that lady? Who's that? I have no idea. I never heard of this lady. I never knew this lady. I never saw this lady or I never, uh, I never knew of this lady. Anyways, uh, this is actually a representative, Lisa McLean, not McCain, McLean, you know, like the loony, like the loony, uh, um, um, you know, uh, what was she? What was, what was, what was Shirley? Wasn't she like some kind of a fortune teller or some kind of like, I don't know, Shirley MacLaine. The only times I think about Shirley MacLaine is whenever I think about Weezer and about smiling at the uh, drum at the Piggly Wiggly because you couldn't help yourself. That's about it, guys. You guys remember Weezer? Anyways, that's the only thing I think about when I think about Shirley MacLaine. But this is not Shirley MacLaine, okay? <laughs> this is Lisa MacLaine. Uh, she's received an endorsement from President Trump, ladies and gentlemen. Now, take a good look at that face. Okay, take a good look at that neck. <laughs> take a look at them shoulders. Now, uh, oh, hey, I was talking about my shoulders. No, just kidding. Let's see what President Trump had to say about Lisa McLean. And uh, let's see here. President Trump saith, Congressman Lisa McLean is doing a wonderful job representing the great people of Michigan, a tremendous advocate, a tremendous advocate of our America First agenda. Oh, pardon me. Lisa is fighting to protect your rights against unconstitutional mandates and to prevent Joe Biden and Gretchen Whitmer from shutting down Line 5. She is working hard to secure. She is working hard to secure. I apologize, guys. This type is very small. Let me go ahead and expand that. She is working hard to secure our borders, defend the Second Amendment, and support our military, vets, law enforcement, and energy independence. Lisa has my complete and total endorsement. All right, so there we go, ladies and gentlemen. That is the complete and total endorsement of Lisa McLean. Go get him, girl. We are so glad to hear about it. And, uh, you know, I don't know much about Lisa McLean, but, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure if President Trump is uh, putting a, a word out for her that that is a good thing. Now, I will say, of course, obviously, we don't always know that uh, people that Trump endorses will be a good thing. So as they say, trust but verify. And uh, that is the thing to be doing 
And that is the thing that we should be doing, not only with the people who uh, President Trump is endorsing, but with everyone, ladies and gentlemen. You trust, but you verify. And, uh, you know, you just you do your due diligence, you know, to uh, to borrow the parlance. And uh, you get the job done that way, okay? Because we sh- we should be doing that anyways, ladies and gentlemen. We shouldn't just be sitting on our laurels and uh, trusting whatever Joe Schmo says, right? Because, you know, those Joes are usually one of two faces. And that's just the way it goes, ladies and gentlemen. All right. So that was our word from President Trump about Lisa McLean. Okay, guys, let's go ahead and move on to the next endorsement from President Trump. Let's talk about Governor Christy Noam, ladies and gentlemen. Let's talk about her. Now, we all know Governor Christy Noam. We all love Governor Christy Noam. In fact, Governor Christy Noam of South Dakota even sent troops to assist the Texas border agents. And, you know, the whole border situation. So that's, uh, you know, that's not something that you see too often. Of course, we are living in times where those types of things don't occur. You know, we don't need, we don't have a necessity to assist other states who are having trouble because the federal government is not doing their job. So I thought that that was a great thing. I thought that was uh, very admirable. Of course, that's not just it. Christy Nome, uh, you know, she's done a lot. She's been like one of the firebrands of the Make America Great Again, uh, um, you know, uh, class and of the Save America, America First representatives, elected representatives for this country. She's, in my opinion, has been a standout and exemplary, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, with that said... <laughs> You know I'm going there, guys. If I were to have shown you another photo of uh, Lisa McLean, the one that we just uh, talked about, you guys might have missed out on her over at the foxhole because you guys got ejected from my uh, classroom here. But, I mean, it's possible these women could be men, and I'm just going to leave that there, okay? (laughs) I don't care. Personally speaking, not because of the whole trans issue. Obviously, I don't care about trans, but like, uh, I don't know, guys. It's weird. I mean, it's weird to me. I mean, just speaking of physiques, physiques, the physicality, that structure type of thing. You know what I mean? The physical structure, like uh, women should only be able to fit two heads on their shoulder. It's just, that's just one thing looking at a photo like that. Now I'm not going to, I'm not going to digress into that entire, uh, you know, situation because, well, you know, it'll help. It'll, it will lose our focus, ladies and gentlemen, we'll lose our focus. But um, anyhow, as I was saying, as I was saying, because Lisa McLean's got some photos like that as well, but they're still fighting for America, ladies and gentlemen. So it's just, it's just a thought that maybe I should save for in the dark. Uh, but um, why don't we uh, see what President Trump had to say about Governor Christy Noam, ladies and gentlemen? Christy Nome. We took a brief detour into the realm of is it a man or a woman? 
and I'm not trying to disrespect. I, I just, you know, it's the coffee. Okay, Christy Noam. Uh, of Christy Noam, President Trump says, Christy Noam has done a great job as governor of South Dakota. She is strong on borders, the Second Amendment, preserving land and energy dominance, medical freedom, and kept South Dakota open during COVID. She fully supports our great law enforcement, military, our wonderful vets, and is a fighter for the people, the incredible people of South Dakota. Christy has my complete and total endorsement. Go Christy Noam. I'm tell I am a fan of hers. I'm a big fan of hers. Uh, you know, I, I think she, like I said, is exemplary and stand out like not many others in her position. And so uh, for that, I think it this uh, this endorsement, I would most definitely say is uh, not only um, expected, but well deserved. And uh, that's all I got to say about that, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, President Trump's next statement coming at us today says, If AT&T slash DirecTV cancels OAN, I hope that everyone will boycott and cancel DirecTV. It is a very popular channel, far more popular than most would understand, and they are being treated horribly by the radical left lunatics running the networks instead of being allowed to grow. Their voice is being shuttered. Don't let it happen. Cancel direct TV. If you feel infringed by what this communist movement is doing, cancel direct TV. <laughs> okay, so, uh, yeah, so, okay, let's talk a little bit about what we have just witnessed here, right? Uh, we have this entire situation going on with OANN, one American news network. Of course, it is just OAN, etc. But um, uh, yeah, you know, they're getting dropped, they're getting popped, and uh, Trump is pushing to fight for them. So that is a great thing. Um, and OAN, they pretty much stood up to the censorship that was coming on Especially when uh, you were talking about the likes of Dominion and uh, the whole voting machine debacle, uh, because everyone else caved in that regard. And I think you all know what we're talking about when we say caved. Uh, we're talking about uh, Fox News, Faux News. We're talking about News Mask. We're talking about uh, even the Epoch Times and Hannity, all of them, right? And they've still pretty much have not said word one. Okay, they have said not word one about anything. But interesting enough, there was a turn of events that happened today. Now, it's not exactly the turn of events that would, I think, in my opinion, uh, recapture the trust and respect that, you know, was lost whenever the brand new America first patriotic, conservative channel, News Mask, came onto the scene. When News Mask started to come onto the scene, a lot of people, including myself, were like, this is awesome. We got a brand new network. We got a network that's, uh, you know, going to give it to us straight. They're not gonna, they're not gonna buckle or fold or hide anything, anything from us. And then came the Dominion lawsuits, okay? 
When that happened, I think the reason that there was such a foul taste left in the mouths of individuals was primarily because... Primarily because of the way they handled it. Now, therein is the difference from, like, say, the Epoch Times versus Newsmask. Whenever I'm willing to kind of be a little lenient with the Epoch Times because they didn't censor their guests. They didn't, they didn't walk off the set. They didn't, uh, they didn't let them like, uh, ramble and like look like an epileptic madman while being totally muted like they did with Mr. Mike Lindell over with my pillow. Okay. So, um, the way they handle it at news mask was just not acceptable. Okay. Epoch times, they weaned themselves off of election integrity and election fraud stories, particularly in response to Dominion and voting machines in general. Like they, they wrote about the voting machines up until about that time. And then that went away. And, uh, and then they really kind of weaned off of election integrity issues. Now, post that entire thing, I do kind of have some issues with the coverage that Epoch Times has had in regards to election integrity and election fraud, uh, because they will, uh, they will, they will prop up stories that don't really fit the narrative of true election integrity efforts, okay? They will share stories that just, just makes you wonder. Now, recently they did have that story about North Carolina in the Epoch Times, and that was nice to read, you know, talking about uh, how they've been uh, sued by the Public Interest Legal Foundation and how they are really, uh, they, they forced a settlement on them. So that's good to know. But again, you know, just, you know, uh, use everything and take everything with not just a grain of salt, but also with a side of discernment. You know, I would say also with a side of discernment uh, would probably be your best route. And this is something that I'm, I know, you know, most of my audience already understands. OK, but in a surprising turn of events, it seems that Newsmask is trying to make a comeback, at least in the hearts of trust for the people of the conservative or of the MAGA movement, we got this article here out of Fox News, faux news. News mask countersues Smartmatic, widening fight over U.S. election fraud claims. So this is a very interesting article, uh, an interesting headline since news mask, you know, turned tail and tucked it between its leg and ran away all while silencing um, you know, uh, people who are proponents of the Dominion voting machine fraud and those who were making um, statements about um, election fraud during the 2020 voter election. OK, uh, I mean, OAN didn't do that. You know, OAN kept on running forward. So, you know, I think we should stand behind President Trump. I think we have trusted and we have seen some modicum of verification. I would say uh, more than a modicum of verification that OAN does good work and they have integrity. Let's see what this is all about with Newsmask and Smartmatic. Widening fight over U.S. election fraud claims. It says here, a right-wing U.S. television network Newsmask Media Incorporated on Monday countersued Smartmatic. So they are countersuing Smartmatic, okay? Not Dominion, but Smartmatic. Uh, 
an election security firm that says it was defamed by Newsmask's coverage of the 2020 presidential election. Smartmatic sued Newsmax uh, in November for amplifying false claims that Smartmatic voting machines rigged the election against then-President Donald Trump, who persists in falsely claiming his defeat was the result of fraud. Okay, so the reality of the situation here from faux news comes out. That would be their reality, folks, okay? Their reality. They are continuing... They are continuing to prop up the big lie. And the big lie here is that there was no fraud in 2020. That is the big lie. There was no fraud in 2020. When all of us know it, all of us saw it, we all know it occurred. But to reiterate, this is the point of view of Fox News. Smartmatic sued Newsmax in November for amplifying false claims that Smartmatic voting machines rigged the election. Okay, now Fox News could have said Smartmatic sued Newsmax in November for um, for the possible false claims, right? Or this is still in litigation or, uh, you know, they had a dispute and they're trying to say that they defamed them. I mean, they didn't have to, this, this sentence for amplifying false claims that Smartmatic voting machines rigged, that is a total loaded, biased statement from Fox News. Okay, now, whoops, go away. Here's another, here's another hint. I mean, we already knew this about Fox News, but why not dissect their own sentence against them? Uh, Against then President Donald Trump. Okay, the man never... Never, never did he once say that uh, he was through. Never did, okay? Never did. He never conceded, all right? And uh, if you follow what's been going on, then you know that he actually is still the president because it was an absolute coup, okay? Then it says, Newsmask persists in falsely claiming his his defeat was the result of fraud. Does it not make you want to vomit, ladies and gentlemen, when you read such things from a network that was supposedly conservative, that was supposedly on the side of America? But, uh, I mean, again, we're not so daft. We all knew this was the case even before President Trump was in office. It's just the rhinos are showing themselves for who they are now. The rhinos are coming out from behind the curtains, and uh, we need to respond accordingly, ladies and gentlemen. The rest of this article goes on to say, in a response filed in Delaware State Court, San Diego-based Newsmask denied it defamed Smartmatic and claimed that the election software firm was trying to censor free speech and intimidate a critic. The action brought by Smartmatic against Newsmask arises from and is because of Newsmask's exercise of its rights to free speech in connection with issues of public interest, Newsmask's lawyer said in the filing. A Smartmatic spokesperson did not immediately respond for requests. Newsmask's counterclaim has little merit, says Jessica Levinson, a law professor at Loyola Law School in Los Angeles who is not involved in the case. 
Smartmatic has a strong defamation case that should proceed toward trial, Levinson added. The potential, uh, the potential irony here is that if anyone is attempting to chill free speech, one could argue it's Newsmask. Well, I would say they definitely left Mike Lindell out in the cold that one time. Uh, though several times, okay? Smartmatic, whose headquarters is in Boca Raton, Florida, in February also sued... Fox News, a subsidiary of Fox Corps, and one American News Network over their election coverage. Another voting firm, Dominion Voting Systems, has brought similar lawsuits. Like Smartmatic, Dominion is seeking billions of dollars in damages. The networks have said they reported on matters of public concern and their reporting is protected by the free speech protections in the U.S. Constitution's First Amendment. Uh, Fox News has asked uh, a state court judge in New York to dismiss Smartmatic's lawsuit. The judge has not yet ruled on the request. So, there you have it. So, I mean, okay. All right, Newsmask. Uh, we're pretty sure that we're happy that you're countersuing only because... Only because, well, I mean... Uh, Hopefully this lawsuit, if it were to move forward, would help to bring some kind of truth to the matter to the light. I mean, we already did um, um, a remembering of uh, Smartmatic and their connections to Venezuela, wherein we also realized that they still owned the intellectual property of many of the uh, formerly independent, or I guess what was their competition, they still own the um, um, intellectual property of other... Uh, previous voting corporations, okay? And, uh, well, I mean, they still don't know who really owns Smartmatic, guys, because of all the shell companies and stuff. So maybe this what lawsuit or this countersuit would bring that out? Maybe not. Maybe not. Who that? All right. Speaking of censorship, ladies and gentlemen, now I may say... When I first started doing this, I never thought I would have Joe Rogan on my screen, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Don't you think we look the same? <laughs> okay, so why do we have Joe Rogan and his beautifully shaped skull on my screen? Let me tell you why. Okay, because it seems no one got the message. <laughs> um Okay, of course, this is again about censorship. I mean, we're in the same vein. President Trump already set us up to knock it down, right? President Trump says, censor um, uh, direct TV, you know, boycott direct TV. Uh, you censor it. You know, you're going to censor it from your mind. You're going to censor it from your wallet. You're going to fr- censor it from your pocketbook. Kind of is, is the, uh, the train of thought I'm going here. Um, and then, you know, we have this uh, countersuit by uh, Newsmask because they were being censored. So we're, we're still in the same vein here as what uh, Mr. S- uh, Mr. C, as what President Trump was, uh, was feeding to us there. Uh, but uh, this, has gotten, this has gotten quite interesting. Now, yesterday on the C-Report at the head of the show, when I said Joe Rogan censored himself, I wasn't talking out of my butt. It seems like everyone kind of missed this memo. Does it make a difference that Spotify did not censor him and that Rumble then offered him $100 million for four years when you kind of take into consideration the fact that 
Spotify did not censor him. <laughs> Spotify did not censor him, guys. He censored himself. And I wasn't making it up. I wasn't being, uh, what's the word? Sensational, okay? I wasn't saying that for shock value. Uh, now, I don't care, personally speaking, if this man censored himself. Um, maybe he was doing it because he would get an offer for Rumble for $100 million for four years. I don't know. I really don't know. I think I live too close to this man to be talking about him like this, but it's true, okay? Uh, it makes no difference to me, okay? But in the grander um, arena of, um, you know, First Amendment rights and censorship and spin... And uh, what everyone, I mean, I mean did, did someone miss this memo that he self-censored? Because we're talking about the CEO of Spotify coming out and saying, I don't believe that we should have censored Joe Rogan. And just so you know, we didn't censor Joe Rogan. He's the one who decided to pull 70 or 80 episodes off of his show on our platform. And then we have Joe Rogan being very apologetic, etc., so I don't know, guys, like um, uh, this could be a tactic that Joe Rogan is utilizing. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I, for whatever reason, or perhaps he really does feel um, bad that he he used them words like he did. But uh, there was I mean, going back and looking at some of those, there was only like one that I thought was in a really kind of derogatory context, you know? Of course, there were a lot of them, right? The one that I saw that I thought was in a context that was derogatory, he didn't even use the N-word. <laughs> he went Roseanne Barr style on them, if you know what I mean, okay? So that was the one that I thought was rather concerning. But he did he did self-censor, you know? And again, I mean, because it's, it's the talk of the town, right? Like, oh, you know, Spotify. And I'm not by any means vouching for Spotify, although, you know, my shows are still allowed to run on there. But just so you guys know, I was not making it up. Here is another article from Faux News that talks about how Joe Rogan self-censored, Okay. Now, if he feels bad, fine, whatever, I don't care, you know, because now a lot of people are also saying, Joe, don't give in, Joe, Joe, you were supposed to represent the people, Joe, um, but he self-censored and he apologized, okay, um, he did not get censored and then apologize, and that dynamic is also different, too, it's one thing to self-censor, which to me shows that he has a true sense of remorse for what he did, because after all, he did not get censored. Now he has the White House. He has all of the uh, all of the uh, Hollywood goons going after him, obviously. Uh, and in that light, yes, apologizing, etc., 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 makes them get you know more riled up and frenzied because there's blood in the water. You know what I mean? So I could definitely see that uh, being a point of view when we're talking about the censorship aspect of this. But the fact that he self-censored and then apologized, that's a totally different dynamic, okay? 
Uh, and I think it's a dynamic that also stands up to the likes of Joni Mitchell and uh, Neil Young and Barry Manilow, whom nobody under 35 or 40 at this point even knows who the hell these people are. I mean, if anything, people know who they are now because of this whole censor thing and uh, going against Joe Rogan, you know, and and, and, and his story is going to, you know, take up some minutes on this show, too. I think it's a very interesting story. I, I like Joe Rogan, even though I never even heard about him until you know i i was like who is this joe rogan guy every time i tried and search my podcast called the experience <laughs> that was the best thing and then i was like oh it's the guy from fear factor that i think i saw like two episodes back when i was 15 i didn't even know he was a comedian i didn't even know he worked in hollywood and he was very well known and he'd gotten into a fight with mencia and i didn't know i mean whatever you know but anyways okay here's the article about Joe Rogan self-censoring. Okay, take a note. Spotify CEO apology letter to employees over Joe Rogan called contradictory PR slate of hand. Uh, it goes on to say, in media news today, the Washington Compost gets slammed for a morally bankrupt column using a colleague's death to drag Joe Rogan. Dr. Ezekiel Emanuel issues an apology for false COVID claims at MSNBC. And oh, what is this? Bill Maher slams cancel culture after Whoopi, Whoopi Goldberg, Jeff Zucker scandals. Critics you accused Spotify CEO Daniel Eck of sending an overly apologetic and contradictory letter to employees regarding the controversy over Joe Rogan's podcast, The Joe Rogan Experience, after a video compilation of him repeatedly using the N-word surfaced this week. And of course, that's because they couldn't get him on COVID, so they switched gears and used the race card on him. The Joe Rogan Experience was launched in 2010 and in 2020. Spotify uh, spent more than $100 million to run the episodes exclusively on its platform. Before the video of Rogan using the N-word came to light, he and his guests had been also been accused of spreading COVID-19 misinformation on the podcast. See, they totally just switched gears. There are no words I can say to adequately, adequately convey how deeply sorry I am for the way the Joe Rogan experience controversy continues to impact each of you. Spotify technology SA chief exec executive Daniel X said in a memo he sent to his employees on Sunday. He says, I think it's important that you're aware that we've had conversations with Joe and his team about some of the content in his show, including his history of using some racially insensitive language. Following these discussions and his own reflections, he chose to remove a number of episodes from Spotify. So that puts this entire censorship angle and turns it on its head, ladies and gentlemen, because he was not, his First Amendment rights were not impeded, okay? He made this decision himself. And I don't disrespect the man for doing that. You know, I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with him doing that. It looks like he's bowing down to the censors. It looks like he's bowing down to, he's bowing down to, uh, you know, the people who are trying to, you know, uh, invoke cancel culture and the race card and all that stuff. But it, I kind of honestly feel like this makes him bigger than those people, okay? Because maybe, I don't, I don't think, I don't believe that this man is racist at all. I don't, you know, I don't believe he's racist at all, but maybe he wants to shift that narrative. You know what I mean? So anyways, 
It goes on to say he also issued his own apology over the weekend. He added, according to the statement obtained by Fox News, uh, while I strongly condemn what Joe has said and I agree with his decision to remove past episodes from our platform, I realize some will want more. And I want to make one point very clear. I do not believe that silencing Joe is the answer. And that is to say that this CEO Spotify is saying, we're not going to censor him. I don't know. He's going to lose Barry Manilow. He's going to lose uh, Neil Young. He's going to lose uh, Joni Mitchell. He's going to lose Simon and Garfunkel. He's going to lose all of the people from like 50 years ago that are still trying to remain relevant. Okay. Let your music speak for yourselves, guys. You know, but then again, they're just doing the job. Uh, they're just doing the will of their own puppet masters, to be quite honest with you guys, is kind of what I think. But anyways, that's all I wanted to say about this, guys. Because I wasn't being sensational or shock, shock value, shock rocker yesterday when I said that. I was being honest, but uh, I don't know. Beep, beep. There's the menu. There's, there's the memo, guys. There is the memo. Okay. Let's go ahead and move on from that. Uh, let me go ahead and also jump in real quick. Hey, WC Crane Up, what's going on? How are you doing tonight? Hope you are doing well. All right. Not barely man enough. <laughs> Boy, you are full of them tonight, CJM. Okay, next statement from President Donald Trump's taking us back a few days, ladies and gentlemen. Let's see what it's got to say. Republicans are getting absolutely creamed with the phony redistricting going on all over the country. Even the fake New York Times is having a hard time believing how ridiculous things have gotten. We were expecting to do well in New York and now we'll lose four seats and the old broken down crow, Mitch McConnell, sits back and does nothing to help the party. The only thing the Democrats are good at is cheating on elections. And the proof is out for everybody to see. But hold on. You ain't seen nothing yet. All right. All right. This statement from President Trump also frames the next story for tonight. Because um, there's been a lot of uh, back and forth uh, depending on what state you're on about these redistricting measures. And it seems to me that based on everything that I have seen, there's been more of this type of activity than in recent history. It's almost like every single state in this nation right now is, and not just in certain, but like all over the place, they're really working on redistricting. Now, here in Texas, there was an issue with this where the Democrats were like, oh, you're just trying to give Democrat strongholds over to Republicans. While they're not even considering the fact that, A, the population has grown, and that, B, the conservative base here has grown with that population, and that, C, the Democrat uh, base has shrank. So it is, it, is, it is very quite possible that this is not gerrymandering in the state of Texas per se, right? If they want to complain about gerrymandering here in the state of Texas, then what they need to do is uh, they need to uh, fix uh, District 25, that one gerrymandered thin strip of I-35 that encompasses like two or three major municipalities, including Austin and San Antonio, and all of the municipalities in between here and there. You want to you want to talk about gerrymandering, okay, Dems in Texas. Let's talk about District 25. I think it's 25. 
If not, it's 21. Yeah. Just look for the little gerrymandered strip of land that is between Austin, San Antonio, up the I-35 corridor, and you guys will know exactly what I'm talking about. But now in Democrat uh, Democrat stronghold states where, you know, uh, you know, those two or three states that are still Democrat. Actually, it's it's a lot more than that, uh, just because of the fraudulent, uh, you know, uh, electoral maps that we have uh, between uh, who's blue and who's red and who cares. Right. Um, we're seeing that the, the Democrats really are trying to gerrymander. OK, the Democrats really are trying to redistrict in their favor. Now, there's a lot of reasons why one could assess that, okay? Let's look at this story from the Gateway Pundit, uh, talking about uh, what's going on in Missouri. Now, keep in mind, guys, another running theme through all of this is that we're seeing the rhinos show their face more and more as we move forward because it has become so obvious the polarization of true, patriotic, constitutional, America first, save America type of class versus fake, treasonous, communist, socialist, and uh, socialist, progressive, sympathizing uh, class. Like, it's gotten so cartoonish and polarized, you know, the methods of being able to see what's going on and to discern it by looking at what they're doing, that the rhinos really are in the spotlight right now, ladies and gentlemen. They're really, they're really just letting it all hang out there, guys. So, as we like to say here at the Sea Report, it is rhino hunting season. Yeah, I thought I'd bring that back for tonight, right? Kind of cleanses the palate, doesn't it? <laughs> okay, let's take a look at this article here from the Gateway Pundit. Missouri GOP Senators filibuster the Rhino 6253 redistricting, redistricting bill in Senate Assembly. Oh, this sounds interesting. On Monday night, Senate Republicans in Missouri voted down an attempt to create a map of congressional districts that would place the state in a seven to one Republican hold. Fourteen Republicans joined all the state Democrats to defeat the bill. Um, The Gateway Pundit previously reported on this. In Missouri, the Republicans created a map that benefits the Democrat Party in this year's redistricting, redistricting effort. In Missouri, where President Trump won the 2020 election by nearly 20%, the state is now redistricting its congressional districts. This effort has been secretive. Rhinos in the state are attempting to push through the redistricting as quickly as possible that favors Democrats. While Republicans in several states, including Missouri, are giving up congressional seats to Democrats, The Democrats are vicious in their attempts to reshape maps that give them every possible seat imaginable in blue states. On Monday night, a vote was held on GOP Senator Bill Eigel's efforts to put together a map that benefited the Republican Party in the state. The vote was defeated after 14 rhinos joined the 10 state Senate Democrats with an S because even the gateway pundit recognizes that they are snakes. 
to turn down a plan that best benefits the Republican Party. Here was the vote tally. Eight said yay, 24 said nay. Okay. Uh, and that was uh, that was a total there. The R total. Man, okay. Oh, this is the Republican total. Okay, R total. So up here, you're looking at your Republicans. You had eight Republicans in Missouri that voted yay to a bill that would allow the Republicans to uh, have their fair share. Okay, or that benefit the Republicans. You had 24 Republicans in Missouri that said no. All right, if you're in Missouri, start taking them notes because the rhinos are showing you themselves right now. The rhinos are making it clear where they stand. Never at a time has it been easier for us to discern, understand, and and really get what is going on here. These are not issues that are like, you know, peripheral. This is them clearly saying, I'm going to pull down my pants and moon you, and I'm going to show to you that I am not who I say I am. I am a rhino, a Republican in name only. Okay? And as you can see, all the Democrats voted as you would have expected. They all said, no, (laughs) we ain't going to allow the Republicans to have this type of uh, redistricting in on our watch. But what's up with all the Republicans, right? What is up with all these Republican and name only rhinos coming out and showing their face? It says here the conservative Republicans did not give up. The eight brave Republicans, right? Now, uh, now it says uh, several Missouri State uh, S- Senate Republicans were holding a filibuster to block the rhino Democrat bill to give Democrats extra seats in the U.S. House of Representatives. Senator Bob Onder is live streaming the filibuster on his Facebook page. Senator Onder, uh, or Onder, is that a hard Onder? Or, <laughs> never mind. Uh, uh, Senator Onder, we'll just go with Onder, wants all of St. Charles, uh, Charles County in one district. This is a deep red area in Missouri outside St. Louis City. What an interesting, interesting article, guys, you know? So you have these shenanigans going on, obviously, you know? Uh, And uh, again, they're just making it easy for us to see who they are if we're paying attention, right, ladies and gentlemen? If we're paying attention and if we're willing to do something about it, that is what is happening. So we have these types of instances, you know, uh, I've also heard that another reason why we're seeing a lot of redistricting attempts going on is because there are a lot of incoming freshman Republican or conservative um, candidates, freshman candidates, freshman representatives, freshman senators, and uh, they've done such a work. We're talking about MAGA patriots. We're talking about Save America patriots. We're talking about America First patriots that are all signing up to run for office for the first time in their lives. And there are so many of them who have already acquired their signatures in their districts to run that another reason why you're seeing all of these redistricting attempts is because if they manage to get these things redistricted, then those candidates who have all their signatures from their district start back at zero. Okay, so that's another reason why we're seeing this happening as well. 
And uh, the CJM61 says the deep states in panic mode. They know the America first wave is coming 100%. That is why we're seeing this in part, ladies and gentlemen. That is why we're seeing this. But ladies and gentlemen, like I said, it's rhino hunting season. So let's get to work, guys. And let's get these guys primaried and out of office. I love that. Okay. <laughs> I love that. I love the little rhinos. The actual rhinos, okay? Not the rhinos, all right? Don't get it twisted, y'all. Don't get it twisted. Um, okay, let's see where that's going to put us. It's going to put us in an awkward situation, ladies and gentlemen. Here we have little Mike Pence and President Trump. Now, I'm pretty sure... That in this scenario, ladies and gentlemen, Pence is like, I can't stand that they put Trump over me and they probably shrunk my image as well. <laughs> I always thought that Pence had like a Gerber baby face. Don't ask me why. He's just, he's got one of those faces, right? He's got one of those faces. Um, and so, uh, yeah, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Okay, guys, let's get on to the topic du jour. <clears throat> we are still very much in the vein, ladies and gentlemen. We are still very much in the vein of President Trump statements. Now, a lot of us are aware of uh, what's been happening in the universe of Pence and Trump. Trump Pence, right? Uh, because we have what? We have what? A situation where uh, President Trump has made a statement in regard to uh, the the president of the Senate's role during the electoral count, ladies and gentlemen. It's a, it's a big hoopla. Now, I had to kind of wonder what this was all about, right? Because in my purview, in my purview, uh, then Vice President Pence, absolutely in my purview, had the ability to uh, shut it all down, ladies and gentlemen. And we're talking about the electoral college vote and if not just shut it down, maybe not shut it down. Maybe those are too strong words, too strong of words to say in regards to the actions that I think this man could have taken, but at least to suspend the count, right? To suspend the count in order to uh, investigate, investigate what was going on with the alternate slates and with the members of the Senate and the House who were already in disagreement with certifying the election, okay? Um, but of course, then we had the uber-convenient false flag riots that took place at the, ca uh, at the Capitol that day, and it created a pathway. It created a path of least resistance for these uh, Republicans and conservatives who were not going to originally certify the vote, it gave them a path of ease to say, nope, I'm sorry, I'm going to go ahead and approve. It's like they were like this. They're like, well, you know what? I think what's going on here is unconstitutional. 
But guess what? Because you stormed the Capitol during a false flag riot, I'm going to go ahead and vote against the Constitution. What kind of sense does that make, right? That's why I'm like, Marsha Blackburn and, you know, all the other ones that did it, all the ones that said they were not going to have this certification of this vote or they were going to vote, they were going to vote no confidence or they were going to vote no, right? All of those same ones that then turned about faced on this entire issue, guys, on this entire issue, they go about face, and it's almost as if though they're reprimanding those who adhere to the Constitution. It's almost as if though they are punishing those who were standing up for constitutional values in this country. Not even keeping in mind that uh, a lot of these people who stormed the Capitol... Not all of them, but a lot of them. The ones who were initiating everything. And, uh, and of course, and I say this for the benefit of new audiences who are seeing this broadcast for the first time. We've already shown the video clips of all of these uh, people who were calling them into and who were, uh, you know, who were wrangling the people to go into the Capitol. All the ones who cut down the fences, who, who fought with the police, who removed the gates. We've already shown the videos of the doors opening uh, from the inside with the policemen saying, oh yeah, come on in, come on in. Yep, yep, yep. Mind your step there, Granny, but come on in. You're welcome, right? We've already seen all of those videos. We've already seen everything. Okay, so the proof is there. Oh, and we've also seen the videos of the people dressed in black that look like Antifa breaking in, at, or or if not breaking in, you know, sneaking in through a window off to the side somewhere. We've seen all of that. We've seen that video footage too. So we'll leave that there. Okay, but it still created this pathway for the rhinos to say, oh, I'm not going to certify that vote either way. Thank you for the distraction, by the way, because now I can still vote against America and look like it's not my fault. It's your fault, patriots out there. So what was this statement that kind of set this all off? Let's take a look. This is the statement that set off the firestorm that everyone's enjoying right now. Uh, if the vice president, Mike Pence, had absolutely no right to change the presidential election results in the Senate, despite fraud and many other irregularities, how come the Democrats and rhino Republicans like wacky Susan Collins are desperately trying to pass legislation that will not allow the vice president to change the results of the election? Actually, what they are saying is that Mike Pence did have the right to change the outcome, and they now want to take that right away. Unfortunately, he did not exercise that power. How could he? Uh, how, how, oh, he could have overturned the election. So immediately when this statement came out, what did we do? We ran over to the interwebs. And we looked up exactly what they were talking about. And we watched the videos of Susan Collins saying, well, what we're trying to do here is just to make sure that the vice president's powers in the, in the Senate during the electoral count is simply ceremonial. And we're also trying to make sure that it's not so easy for anyone to be against the uh, electoral count by adding more than one member to the House that has to make a vote. That's what Susan Collins said in so many words. And so we were like, whoa. So basically what you're saying, Susan Collins, you rhino, is that the vice president of the Senate could 
could have possibly done something. Okay? So, therein starts the firestorm, right? The real focus here was what they were doing. Susan Collins, the rhinos, and the Democrats, you know? That was the real focus. Like, what are they doing and how are they mussing up the Constitution? How are they mussing up the Electoral Count Act of 1887? What's the T here, ladies and gentlemen? So, then, you know, that's the focus. And I'm thinking to myself, well, President Trump is doing, is making this move for in my opinion, several mo- there's several maneuvers going on here. One, you have um, the abstinence that uh, Pence, you know, took on during this process, right? So there's a highlight coming back on Pence. And maybe this highlight is coming out because we don't want Pence to be his running buddy in 20-whatever, okay? Or say uh, President Trump does come back into office by means of decertification and a fraudulent election, does that mean that Pence is going to have to come back too? Does that mean that Pence has another shot, no pun intended, at being the LBJ to the JFK for the Trump administration? We need to get this man out, okay? In my opinion, in my humble, unprofessional opinion, we need to get this man out, okay? Pence got to go, okay? Because I'm like... I never trusted the man from the jump. Like, I looked at this man and my stomach got really gitchy. And it was like, oh no, oh no, that's LBJ. That's LBJ reincarnated. I know, you know, you have to be, uh, you can't have been born. It's, I don't need to talk about reincarnation in those roles and how that works, right? This is not Mr. C in the Dark. But, you know, rhetorically speaking, you know, Mike Pence was LBJ. That's the first vibe I got, okay? They're, I was like, they're going to assassinate Trump. They're going to install LBJ, I mean Mike Pence, and then the walls that Trump meant, uh, built will keep people in instead of keeping people out, if you catch my drift, ladies and gentlemen. So no Mike Pence for me. No, 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 no. This man gives me nightmares. I would not be, I would not want to be in a room in the dark with this man. Oh, no, no, no. Of course, I don't think he would be in the room in the dark with someone like me because I'm far too old for him. Okay, which is a good thing, right? Okay, so... The other maneuver we're seeing here is that President Trump is letting everyone know that, yeah, we could have done something here. All right. We could have done something here, but we didn't. And then another maneuver that we are seeing is the rhinos. Again, ladies and gentlemen, we are seeing the rhinos. We already knew Susan Collins and Mitch McConnell and all of them were rhinos. But this is allowing us to see it even more. Do I need to impress this upon anybody? We can clearly see who is working against the people. We can clearly see who is working against the Constitution. We can clearly see who is working against the Republic, ladies and gentlemen. It is rhino hunting season. Okay, so rule of thumb on any type of show or broadcast is you can only use the same gag three times. That was the third time, guys. <laughs> I won't do it again. <laughs> All right. Now, now we have another situation that comes up from this. Now we have a rebuttal from Mike Pence himself. And Mike Pence basically says that Trump is wrong. 
it would have been unconstitutional for me to grow a set and make a difference or change history or what have you, okay? Because again, we're in a situation that we've never been here. We're in un, uh, we're in unidentified uh, territory, we're unexplored terrain. So uh, President Trump releases this statement. Just saw Mike Pence's statement on the fact that he had no right to do anything with respect to the electoral vote count, other than being an automatic conveyor belt for the old crow cocaine Mitch McConnell to get Biden elected president as quickly as possible. Well, the vice president's position is not an automatic conveyor if obvious signs of voter fraud and irregular irregularities exist. Now, that's kind of what I'm saying here, guys. And uh, yeah, we're going to we're going to do a little bit of a dive into this. So just hold on to this thought. President Trump says, well, the vice president's position is not an automatic conveyor if obvious signs of voter fraud or irregularities exist. Keyword. Now, keep in mind, by January 6th, we already had six hearings in six different states with thousands of affidavits and much, a much evidence and also um, um, not just evidence of fraud, but also of really bad behavior that should have, at least in my purview, caused someone to say, well, you know what, maybe things were a little bit fishy and I don't have the confidence that I think this election competition deserves, right? The statement goes on to say, that's why the Democrats and rhinos are working feverishly together to change the very law that Mike Pence and his unwitting advisors used on January 6th to say he had no choice. The reason they want it changed is because they now say that they don't want the vice president to have the power to ensure an honest vote. In other words, I was right and everyone knows it. If there is fraud or large-scale irregularities, it would have been appropriate to send those votes back to the legislatures to figure it out, okay? Not to override them, not to even sign on an alternate slate of electors, but to go back to iron out all of the inconsistencies, iron out all the discrepancies, and then if you find that there's nothing going wrong, go ahead and send it back to Washington for certification. The Dems and the Rhinos want to take that right away. A great opportunity lost, but not forever. In the meantime, our country is going to hell. Oh, you know Pence is pissed off. You know Pence is mad. He's as mad as a wet wasp, ladies and gentlemen, because he's being called out, okay? He's being called out. So... But this was all on Pence's discretion, okay? Because he, he's being touted as the brave little Republican that is standing up against Donald Trump, okay? While he's been off living in his $1.6 million mansion since January 20th. Oh, he's back in Indiana in a $1.6 million mansion, ladies and gentlemen. It's really nice. I mean, I don't like the idea of, well, you know... I, uh, just a big house is not for me, but it, it's a really nice mansion. It's a little nice little McMansion you got there, Mr. Pence. But, you know, 
again, it's calling him to the spotlight because if we do have decertification, we've got Arizona, we've got Wisconsin, they have the, the they have put the, the bill on the plate, right? And it's on the table, decertification. Ooh, that's two. We only need three. We don't want Pence back, guys. Oh, heck no. We don't want Pence back. I never wanted him to begin with. Here is an article from, uh, I believe this is from the New York Post. Mike Pence says Trump wrong about an about un-American idea to overturn election. What did Pence have to say about this entire episode? What what spurred on that comment from President Trump? It said Mike Pence on Friday made his sharpest break yet with Donald Trump, saying the president was wrong about Pence's ability as vice president to overturn the 2020 election, calling the notion un-American. Trump slammed Pence ahead of the Capitol riot on January 6, 2021, for not having the courage to reject swing state electors for then-president-elect Joe Biden. But Pence, until now, has more gently pushed back on Trump over it. I heard the president... No, that's not how, Pe- that's not how Pence talks. I heard the, the, this week that President Trump said I had the right to overturn the election. President Trump is wrong. I had no right to overturn the election, Pence said as he was bent over a desk. Uh, And speaking to a gathering of the Federalist Society in Orlando, Florida, the presidency belongs to the American people and the American people alone. And to be frank, there is no idea more un-American than the notion that anyone could choose the American president. Really, Pence? Oh my goodness, Pence, you are, you are a piece of work because uh, last I checked, illegitimate Joe was selected and installed. Yeah, this doublespeak, this hypocrisy, ladies and gentlemen, this is insane, guys. This is insane. Now, it goes on to say here. Under the Constitution, I had no right to change the outcome of our election. Pence 62 is believed to be considering a 2024 campaign for president. Trump 75 is also teasing a potential 2024 rematch against Biden and has hinted he might not pick Pence as his running mate. Yeah, I think that would be a very bad idea, President Trump. The former vice president was a target of the wild mob of Trump supporters who stormed the Capitol. Blah, blah, blah. This was a false flag riot, okay, that uh, created an easy path for turncoats to say that they were not going to support the will of their people anymore. These people were not... Okay, wait, wait. This might be true. A crowd chanted at one breached entrance, hang Mike Pence. Now, that would be the undercover... FBI agents and uh, Antifa and BLM. Of course, they're going to paint that narrative. All right. Every patriot I know and spoke to on that day and beyond has said that they would never want President Vice of the time, Mike Pence, to literally be hanged. All right. That is also manufactured right there. Also manufactured. Okay, 
So uh, this article kind of loses its luster. It just goes on and it describes all of the events of that day. The day of the false flag capital riots. Not much left here for me to want to discuss in that regard. Uh, So let's talk a little bit about Pence, ladies and gentlemen. Let's talk a little bit about Pence. And we will uh, continue on this journey. Now, uh, this actually comes from uh, a substack by someone named Emeril Robinson, whom I don't know, but I very much enjoyed reading this. This article, it's, it's, it's an article about the series of uh, treacheries by VP Mike Pence. And uh, it really kind of dissects why he... Uh, yeah, well, at least it at least festoons my proposal that this man is not America first and this man is a total a total treasonous turncoat. Okay, um, he's never been good for the American people in my purview, uh, and that's not and we're not even talking about all of the rumors about his little child mill up in Indiana. Okay, his little child human trafficking involvement, and we're not even talking about the rumors about his murdering of children after you know giving them panda eyes and sucking their blood, all right? If you're joining us here for the first time at the Sea Report, you might wonder, what the heck am I talking about? Oh, well, in case you didn't notice, my tinfoil hat is it's offset right now. So uh, let's go ahead and check out the series of uh, substantive types of, uh, of uh, allegations, truths, facts, receipts. It says here... Who fired General Flynn and started the Russia hoax in the first place? I don't know, dear Robinson. Please tell us. It says, uh, finally, President Donald Trump chose to lob a verbal grenade in the general direction of his old VP, Mike Pence, last Sunday night. Regarding Pence's ability to formally contest the results of the stolen 2020 election, this was, for many Trump supporters, long overdue. Now, we've already read the statement, so we'll go ahead and continue. The reason that Mike Pence did not exercise the power to lawfully contest the election results is because Mike Pence was never a Trump loyalist. He's a GOP establishment loyalist. There were many, there were plenty of problems inside the Trump administration and Vice President Mike Pence was at the center of many of those problems. In fact, it's always been obvious that Pence and his staff were deeply involved in trying to remove President Trump from office. Now, why do I think President Trump chose Pence? Do I think it's because he was fed really bad information about Mike Pence? Do I think it's because he uh, thought that Mike Pence was really a good guy and, you know, really wanted him to uh, assist him in his administration? Do I think it's because... Um, he saw Mike Pence as a very strong force in the house and wanted that political, um, political backup to assist his administration. No, I don't. I always kind of felt inside, and this is just, this is just gut talk right here, that, um, President Trump or his real administration, the people who are really working behind him, recognize that Mike Pence was indeed 
a very powerful force in the House of Elected Officials. They knew the pool. They knew the stock and the clout that this man has. And they wanted to keep their thumb on him. And that's what I always thought about Pence's uh, um, being chosen to be part of the Trump administration. But again, that's just gut speak, ladies and gentlemen. Now, uh, this goes on to say, whenever the subject of Mike Pence comes up in casual conversation, I always ask the same question. Do you know Olivia Troy? Do you know Jennifer Williams? Do you know Catherine Seaman or Josh Pitcock? Ooh, I don't. Emerald Robinson, what you talking about? <clears throat> Trump supporters who are counting on VP Pence to reject certain electors in contested states on January 6th seem to forget certain things like Olivia Troy, Jennifer Williams, Catherine Seaman, and Josh Pitcock. Pence never staffed himself with Trump supporters. Ooh, now, this is new news to me because I have no idea who these people are, so I'm going to be taking notes here. It says, if you're drawing a blank with these names, then I'm sorry to inform you that you were not paying close enough attention to politics during the Trump years. Oh, Lordy. Been called out by Miss Robinson. The article says, also, you are not paying attention to my Twitter feed. Okay, you're allowed to self-aggrandize. Because I was reporting on these problems all the time during the Trump administration. Oh, she sounds like me now. So without further ado, let's review all the evidence against Mike Pence. Trust me, there's a lot of evidence. Who fired General Michael Flynn? Let's begin with Mike Pence's least favorite question. Why did you insist that President Trump fire his national security advisor, Michael Flynn, in the opening days of the administration? The official story is that General Flynn had lied to Mike Pence about Flynn's contacts with Russian diplomats. Nobody is bothered to ask Pence exactly how he was informed about Flynn's private conversations. Think about it. Somebody went to Pence with transcripts of Flynn's calls and told Pence that Flynn was a national security risk. Who would have access to such phone calls? Who would want to lie about the nature of those phone calls to get Flynn fired? It almost certainly must have been disgraced FBI agent Peter Strzok. It's likely that Strzok was the one who pushed for VP Pence to fire Flynn because we know that Peter Strzok's assistant was Catherine Seaman, the wife of Mike Pence's chief of staff, Josh Pitcock, who we also have the text exchanges between Strzok and Page discussing infiltrating the Trump White House in great detail. This was the subject of an extraordinary letter from Senator Grassley and Senator Johnson to A.G. Billiam Barr, the B-2 bomber, the big old booby beluga bailman there. But did Pence know about the FBI's attempt to spy on the Trump White House? Is it even possible that Mike Pence was totally unaware that his chief of staff spouse worked directly for the chief of the counter-espionage unit of the FBI? Huh, those are good questions. I mean, receipts are there, kind of. Right? But uh, interesting inferences. We know that President Obama warned President Trump not to hire Flynn in 2016. We also know that Flynn himself believes that Obama advised Trump against hiring him because Flynn knew about the Obama administration's role in spying on Trump's presidential campaign. Removing Flynn as Trump's national security advisor was a top priority for the deep state. In other words, 
Mike Pence was the first person to set the Russia hoax into motion. Interesting. Now, guys, I would say use your discernment on these, especially because, I mean, honestly, I can't make a comment. I have to do some digging. But a lot of this seems suspect, and a lot of this seems like there could be something to it. All right? Now, next, the Ukraine impeachment. During the failed Ukraine impeachment of President Trump, plenty of State Department and NSC swamp creatures crawled out of the shadows to hurl lame accusations about Trump's, um, Trump's phone call with Ukraine President Zelensky. Did you know that one of main did you know that one of main accusers was a national security official on Vice President Mike Pence's staff? A State Department official named Jennifer Williams was placed on Pence's staff in April of 2019, which was just in time to get involved in the Ukraine call and the subsequent impeachment. What a coincidence that she arrived mere weeks before the call. Just imagine being a few months into your new job in the White House, only to volunteer to testify against the president in an impeachment trial over phone calls you did not like. If you find that scenario absurd, you're not alone. During her testimony before Congress, Jennifer Williams identified her working colleagues on Ukraine issues as Alex Vindman, Fiona Hill, and George Kent. She also testified that Trump's call was unusual and inappropriate without explaining her legal reasoning. That's not so strange because Williams had defied an order from the White House by agreeing to appear for her deposition at all. She was then sent off to CENTCOM right after the Ukraine impeachment was over. Williams' takedown of President Trump moved her immediate supervisor, Lieutenant General Keith Kellogg, to issue his statement about Williams. Miss Williams was also on the call, and as she testified, she never reported any personal or professional concerns to me, her direct supervisor, regarding the call. In fact, she never reported any personal or professional concerns to any other members of the vice president's staff, including our chief of staff and the vice president. Again, obvious questions should be asked. Did Williams ask permission for Pence to testify against Trump? What did Pence know about Williams and her sudden interest in testifying at an impeachment trial against President Trump? Why did Pence not dissuade her from testifying in the first place? This is the second time that Mike Pence and his office were involved in plots against President Trump, manufactured by national security officers. Number three, Olivia Troy and the COVID vaccines. Oh, this sounds interesting. The worst mistake that President Trump made during his administration was probably turning over the COVID task force to VP Mike Pence because Pence turned it over to his chief of staff, Mark Short, and Mark Short turned it over to a little known national national security officer with no medical expertise. If you want to know the name of the person most responsible for unleashing the Dr. Fauci vaccine nightmare on America, then remember the name of Mike Pence's COVID advisor, Olivia Troy. Why was the decision made to treat the COVID virus developed and funded by the U.S. government under the thin disguise of the EcoHealth Alliance? 
exclusively with experimental vaccines developed with the funding from DARPA instead of therapeutics. Perhaps because Pence picked a national security official to advise him on COVID, who regularly appears on TV now with a framed picture of Dr. Fauci hanging prominently behind her in her house. That would be the harpy right there, ladies and gentlemen. Now, Olivia Troy was just as motivated to destroy the Trump administration as Jennifer Williams, but she did not have the same level of interest in protecting VP Mike Pence from the fallout. Pence's people probably figured this out the day that Troy appeared in a TV ad announcing that she would vote for Biden. Once again, General Keith Kellogg was sent out to explain that Olivia Troy was another bad apple that happened to be planted in Pence's office. In fact, Kellogg announced that he had personally escorted Troy out of the White House when she was fired. Troy then started a personal grift operation called the Republican Accountability Project, in which she came out of the closet as a full-time political operative for the Democrat Party. So that's three members of VP Mike Pence's office who engaged in anti-Trump activities during normal business hours. That's a lot of treachery. Let's not forget the ringleader of so much of this malice too, Pence's chief of staff, Mark Short. Pence's chief of staff gets locked out of White House by Trump. If you still harbor doubts about Pence's treachery, let's turn to Pence's chief of staff, Mark Short, for confirmation of these activities. On January 6th, Short found himself locked out of the White House with his car still in the parking lot. When a reporter asked Short why this had happened, Short's reply was surprisingly honest. He's blaming me for advice to VP. Then he, in this case was the he in this case, of course, is Trump. There's his little tweet. Philip Mellon Kant Wegman. Henry Rogers. I don't see anyone named Mark Short here. Anyways, okay, let's move on. My own sources in the White House told me that Pence's chief of staff, Mark Short, was literally the first person to call for Trump to accept the results of the stolen election and concede to Biden. Like I said at the beginning, there's a lot of evidence of Pence's treachery. So a statement like this, I can't really take seriously because it's their own sources. I don't take anyone seriously who uses words like that. Anyways, okay. Long before GOP voters were suddenly surprised by Pence's lack of courage on January 6th, I warned my followers on social media that any trust in Pence was misplaced. My source in the White House told me that Pence simply disappeared after the 2020 election. He went skiing in Vail rather than bother to bother with contesting the 2020 election. I wrote on my Twitter at the time, we might need to stick VP Mike Pence's face on the back of milk cartons because he's disappeared. November 8th, 2020. Why did Pence and his staff spend four years hobbling the Trump administration? Why can't people believe that the GOP would try to impeach Trump to clear the way for Pence? 
Most Republican voters have never met the big GOP donors and have no idea what they do with their money. The big donors wanted a Mike Pence, Nikki Haley ticket in 2024. They don't really care what GOP voters want, and they never have. These are the people who pushed Jeb in 2016, and Paul Ryan before that, and Dan Quayle before that. Pence is a creature of the GOP donors, not an American first patriot. That much is obvious now. Pence was added to the Trump ticket to restrain Trump's populism, and that's what he tried to do for four years. When pro-Trump aides were sidelined in the Trump White House, I heard the same thing from all of them. They were told to sit down and shut up. And if they were quiet, they might get to work for Pence and Haley in 2024. It's time for Republican voters to admit that they had no idea who Mike Pence was. Don't be too upset with yourself. He fooled plenty of people. The man you thought he was, that guy, really doesn't exist. It's time you paid much closer attention to your favorite politicians, though, if you want your country to survive. Seems to be that Mrs. Robinson should probably... Watch herself, because this man looks pretty pissed off. Pretty pissed off. Okay, let's see what we got here, guys. That's that's quite an interesting article. I say that's quite an interesting read. For me, there would be a lot of things to dig on there. But uh, if all of these uh, all of these infiltrators were coming out of his office, and we know he received President Trump received uh, pretty bad. Uh, advice and information. It just, it makes one wonder, doesn't it? Now, one could sit there and say, well, you know, this is, this is part of the plan, right? Like uh, Pence took one for the team. Based on all of that information, th- there's, there are, there are, you know, war games that one could play to say, yeah, this could be true. For instance, how do we know that Pence did not know that these people were infiltrators and that by accepting them into his office, he was allowing them to show themselves for who they were and also taking notes on exactly uh, what these people do and how they act and the way that their their methodology, you know what I mean? That's possible, okay? That's a very possible thing here. But I don't know. I don't know. Uh, You know, I mean... The children, ladies and gentlemen. Now, the next thing that we're going to hear is, well, Mike Pence was running child trafficking rings out of Indiana, so this way he could expose people who were into child trafficking. That's a stretch for me, guys. But at the same time, we don't got any receipts on the child trafficking angle other than the victims who have come forward and who have been silenced. So there you have it, guys, in that regard. But that is definitely some fat to chew on, guys. You know, if you guys like a little bit of that gristle, it's extra tasty and it's a little chewy. Indeed, ladies and gentlemen. All right. We're going to move on to our last topic for tonight. If you're hanging out with us late tonight, guys, well, welcome, welcome. And thank you for being part of the live audience as uh, we continue to uh, move forward down this path tonight. Before I do that... Allow me to jump into the uh, chat room real quick. Empress Beach to you. Good evening. Thank you for gifting the phone, Empress. I pr- and the can and the cookie. Thank you so much, Empress Beach to you. I really appreciate that. And uh, 
Most definitely. That is, that is very appreciated on a night like tonight. Um, K, KJM, and it's actually good to see you again, Miss Empress. We haven't seen you in a minute. So, uh, you know, it's, it's great to see you in the chat rooms. Thanks for joining us, and thank you again for your generosity. Um, CJM61, deep state actors being exposed. Absolutely. That is definitely, uh, that is, this is the moment, guys, where we can see, discern, and act. And there are a lot of us acting right now. And I don't mean acting like, you know, thespians, but like acting on what they're seeing. And taking action is probably a better way to put it. Uh, let's see here. Um... Jet Rover 17. How you doing, Jet Rover 17? Thanks for uh thanks for coming to the surface tonight and uh thank you for your sentiments. Uh Jet Rover 17 says, really enjoy the show, Mr. C. Wonderful. I appreciate you much, sir. Thank you so much. Um, let's see here. Uh CJM says, should have returned to the state's legislatures. And that's why, guys, we're going to talk about the Electoral Act of 1887 right now. Because you know, at the onset of today's show, I was kind of explaining how it would have been really nice to have had a really good video that talked about its history, but we didn't get that. And I was not even looking at any videos that were recent because, you know, they're all going to be biased. They're all going to be biased. I wanted something from like 5, 10, 15 years ago. I found some, but they didn't talk about this. They talked about the election of 1886, 1887. It was, uh, who was it? Uh, Tildy and Hayes, if I'm not mistaken. So they talked about that, but they didn't really talk about the the um, the the the, uh, the subtext, the text. They didn't get to the meat and potatoes about the electoral act. So we're going to look at that. We're going to look at the actual text, and we are going to decide for ourselves what we think that should mean. Are any of us constitution constitutional scholars here? I'm not, you know, uh, so I, I don't have a, um, I don't have what you call, uh, I don't have the stripes per se to talk about, but we're still, we're not going to shy away from it. We're still going to look at it because what we have going on here now in regards to this electoral count act of 1887 is this is kind of, this is kind of the basis. We got Pence and we got Trump. Okay, we have Democrats and rhinos trying to rewrite it, rewrite it, or to modernize it is what they're saying. Okay, you know, and uh, and so it's like, well, what do we believe? And so the other the other um, narrative that's coming out of this uh, is a defense for what the Democrats and the rhinos are doing in this modernization of the Electoral Count Act of 1887. Now, as we already visited. You got Susan Collins and the rhinos and all and the rest of the rhinos and the Democrats who are trying to pass this bill. And it's already pretty much on the table, guys. It's already in, on the table. You got people like uh, Senator Manchin who is saying uh, it's it's going to pass. It's going to pass. That's right. The same senator that's been standing up for things like the filibuster, right? And for uh, and standing against the build back better or the build broke back or the broke back Biden, whatever you want to call it, Bill, you know, who's been and cinema, who's also been at the forefront, who maybe they were just there as a, a distraction because they knew that they were going to use them for this electoral act thing to push it through. Okay. Cause right now they're standing for the modernization of this act. Now here's the narrative that we're hearing from the mainstream, lamestream, famestream, fake stream, propaganda, mockingbird, fake news press. And that is that 
Well, yes, they are. They are rewriting the act, but it's not because they're changing what the vice president could do. It's because they're trying to prevent any loopholes from people like Trump trying to exploit it. And Trump just misunderstood it. Okay, as if though Trump does not have his own team of lawyers, as if though President Trump would really make a statement like that without having consulted his legal team first. Okay, it's not like President Trump was like, oh, yeah, the Electoral Account Act of 1887. It says this right here on line five. Let's do it. No, he has an entire team of lawyers also looking at this stuff. So. It stands to reason that while there was not a huge precedence on the powers of the president of the Senate for the Electoral Count Act of 1887, because we're in unmarked territory, right? But what they're trying to what they're trying to do is to prevent precedents being set. They're trying to prevent people from exercising or executing. Actions that could have been taken, but at up to this point have never been taken and were not taken by vice president of the time, Mike Pence. Okay, now the Hill reports that Pence considered a possible run in 2024. I think they're taking the uh, air out of the tires on that one right now. And I think that might be a reason why. Aside from the fact that this is exposing the rhinos and the Democrats for lying and the mainstream, lamestream, fake news, legacy, propaganda media from lying about what Pence really could have done, right? <clears throat> and then, of course, you know, you have, uh, you have other outfits out there who are part of the independents who are saying, traitor, former VP Pence claims that he had no right to stop election fraud. Well, we knew he, in my opinion, he's always been a traitor. Okay, he's always been a traitor. Okay, so um, let's see here. Let, let's talk about that. Like I kind of pretty much pretty much summed it up. Now you have you have acts, you have venues like the Wall Street Journal, who are saying that Congress is rewriting the Electoral Act of 1887. True, but it's only because Trump misinterpreted it. They said this. Uh, Mr. Trump claims that Congress's current talks to rewrite the Electoral Count Act of 1887 shows Mr. Pence had the power to overturn electoral votes. But Congress is not debating this law because it agrees with Mr. Trump's mistaken interpretation of what we and many others believe is an unconstitutional statute. The members want to make sure that no one can pull Mr. Trump's stunt again and misread the Electoral Count Act to use Congress and the vice president to overturn an election despite losing in November. All of this, in my opinion, goes against VP Pence being some kind of like dark horse patriot sleeper who's taking one for the team. I just can't agree with it. Because first of all, my gut says that's wrong. Second of all, all of this stuff just kind of adds to it. Uh, the Wall Street Journal went on to say this threat is bipartisan, by the way. And they use this example. After the 2004 election, Barbara Boxer, then a California senator, joined a House colleague in objecting to electors from Ohio. 
So there is, this is, it's not as if though this was the first time you had people opposing a slate of electors, okay? Uh, the, the decisive state that year, which was Ohio in 04, this forced, this forced votes in both chambers, which failed. The next time they lose a close election, Democrats are not likely to be as ham-handed as Mr. Trump and his allies were in 2020. Okay, so what all exactly is <clears throat> being changed here or what are the provisions that they're making with this modernization of the Electoral uh, Count Act? Uh, let's take a look at that real quick. We're just going to read the, the provisions. We're not going to read this entire article, but this is from the Western Journal. It says the proposed bill would do the following. It would clarify that the vice president has no power to reject a state's electors, narrows the grounds for objections to electors or electoral votes. It raises the threshold for Congress to consider objections and makes it harder to sustain those objections. It would ensure that the state legislatures cannot appoint electors after election day in an effort to overturn their state's election results. And it would provide limited judicial review to ensure that the electors appointed by a state reflect the popular vote results in the state. And it would give states additional time until December 20th to complete legitimate recounts and litigation. Okay, the current law requires only one member of the House and one member of the Senate to object to the electoral count before it's moved to a floor vote in the chamber. The proposed legislation would require one third of the Senate to object before the objection could be moved to the floor. So it's very substantive, guys. It's very substantive, the changes that they're going to be making to this. Kind of, it kind of makes me feel like HR1, HR4, where they're just trying to legalize all of their dirty dealings and dirty doings, right? It's kind of what it, it makes me feel like. Now, uh, some, some, uh, some writer over at the National Review, another dishonorable mention for the night, uh, kind of goes into more in-depth about these changes. Um, they say that um, it would significantly restrict the role of the vice president by taking away the vice president's role as the presiding officer. So this this bill will no longer have the vice president, the president of the Senate as the presiding uh, presiding officer. So you will no longer have the VP, uh, you know, uh, reading off the slates, opening up the envelopes, none of that. Instead, that role is going to go over to the um, to the uh, let's see here, the pro tempore of the Senate which essentially means the longest serving member of the majority party. They will now be the one who is presiding over this electoral process, the, the electoral count um, uh, during this time. Um, and, and that would be the case unless the person that is a candidate for president or vice president. So the only way the longest serving president, I mean, sorry, the longest serving member of the majority of the Senate or the majority party of the Senate will not be the overseeing officer is if they are running for president or if they are the standing president or vice president. Okay. So the VP's job would then be restricted to literally just opening up the envelope sent by the States, but not as the commanding officer or the presiding officer. 
um, since that much and only that much is specifically required by the Constitution. Well, we'll see about that. We'll see about that in a minute, guys. Um, so it's calling it a great demotion for the vice president in that regard and for the president of the Senate. Okay. Uh, and then it talks about, uh, they talked about this um, threshold of uh, resistance to the Senate, to the electoral vote count. Of course, as we said, it only requires one member of each house to object. Okay. Uh, and then the House and Senate have to separate and consider those objections. So, so they think this is too easy. If only one person can stand up and object, then uh, we need to add like one third of that house has to object. Okay. So it's almost like you know, it's, it's just making this harder to happen. Now, let's look at the actual text of this specific, the specific section. We're just going to look at the actual text of this specific section. And through our unconstitutional scholarly prowess, let's just see what it says to the layman. Okay, let's see if we're like, oh, way off our rocker here. And we just don't understand. And the ever, ever smart and omniscient, you know, mainstream media can uh, run over us with this if the lawyers who are, uh, you know, in Congress and in the Senate can just run over this with us or run over us with this. It says here, uh, 3 U.S. Code, subsection 15, counting electoral votes in Congress. So it says here, Congress shall be in session on the sixth day of January, succeeding every meeting of the electors. The Senate and House of Representatives shall meet in the Hall of the House of Representatives at the hour of one o'clock in the afternoon on that day, and the President of the Senate shall be their presiding officer. Two tellers shall be previously appointed on the part of the Senate and two on the part of the House of Representatives, to whom shall be handed, as they are opened by the President of the Senate, all the certificates and papers purporting to be certificates of the electoral votes, which certifies and papers shall be opened, presented, and acted upon in the alphabetical order of the states, beginning with the letter A. Are you guys with us so far? That's pretty easy for me to understand. It's a very complex sentence, but it is pretty understandable. Okay, okay, getting back to this. Now, it's talking about the tellers again. That is the people who will be handing these uh, envelopes over to the presiding officer who is the Senate president. It says, and said tellers, having then read the same in the presence and hearing of the two houses, shall make a list of the votes as they shall appear from the said certificates. So they will make a list of the votes that appeared in what they read which is from the envelopes, okay? It says, and the votes having been ascertained and counted according to the rules in this subchapter provided, the result of the same shall be delivered to the president of the Senate, who shall thereupon announce the state of the vote, which announcement shall be deemed a sufficient declaration of the persons, if any, elected president and vice president of the United States, and together with a list of the votes, 
be entered on the journals of the two houses. Basically, they're going to agree and they're going to uh, write down or, you know, um, record the names in the journals of the houses. Okay. Upon such reading of any such certificate or paper, the president of the Senate shall call for objections, if any. Okay, so right here is where we get into the role of the vice president. Upon reading such, upon such reading of any such certificate or paper, the president of the Senate shall call for objections of any. In other words, speak now or forever hold your peace. Every objection shall be made in writing and shall state clearly and concisely and without argument the ground thereof and shall be signed by at least one senator and one member of the House of Representatives before the same shall be received. When all objections so made to any vote or paper from a state shall have been received and read, the Senate shall thereupon withdraw, and such objections shall be submitted to the Senate for its decision." And the Speaker of the House of Representatives shall in like manner submit such, such objections to the House of Representatives for its decision. And no electoral votes or votes from any state which shall have been regularly given by electors whose appointment has been lawfully certified according to Section 6 of this title, from which but one return has been received shall be rejected. But those two houses concurrently may reject the vote or votes when they agree that such vote or votes have not been so regularly given by electors whose appointments has so been certified. If more than one return or paper purporting to be returned from a state shall have been received by the President of the Senate... Those votes and those only shall be counted, which shall have been regularly given by the electors who are shown by the determination mentioned in section 5 of this title to have been appointed, if the determination in said section provided for shall, be, shall have been made, or by such successors or substitutes in case of a vacancy in the board of electors so ascertained, as have been appointed to fill such vacancies in the mode provided by the laws of the state. But in case there shall arise the question, which of two or more of such state authorities determining what electors have been appointed, as mentioned in section five of this title, is the lawful tribunal of such state, the votes regularly given of those electors and those only of such states shall be counted whose title as electors the two houses acting separately shall concurrently decide is supported by the decision of the such state so authorized by its law. Okay, so what we got going on here is talking about disagreements in electors and the way for them to remedy that to make their vote. Okay, that's pretty much what we got going on here. It concludes, and in such case of more than one return or, um, sorry, I can't see that, or paper purporting to be a return from a state, 
if there shall have been no such determination of the question in the state aforesaid, then those votes and those only shall be counted in which the two houses shall concurrently decide were cast by lawful electors appointed in accordance with the laws of the state, unless the two houses acting separately shall concurrently decide such votes not to be the lawful votes of the legally appointed electors of such state. But if the two houses shall disagree in respect of the counting of such votes, then, in that case, the votes of the electors whose appointment shall have been certified by the executive of the state, under the seal thereof, shall be counted. When the two houses have voted, they shall immediately again meet, and the presiding officer shall then announce the decision of the question submitted. No votes or papers from any other state shall be acted upon until the objections previously made to the votes or papers from any state shall have been disposed of. Now, everyone's brain is probably fried right about now because what did we not read? And what did we read? Did we read that if there is an objection or there is any type of discrepancy or if there are unlawful votes that the Senate president shall return the electors or that the Senate president shall suspend the electoral count? No, we didn't read that. Did we read that the Senate president shall suspend the elections? Oh, did we read that the Senate president cannot and does not have the authority or the ability to suspend the electoral count or to return the votes? No, we did not read that either. So there is no language in this section that says the vice president can or cannot do that. So to the point of President Trump, there is no language that says specifically that the Senate president has the right to do this. And to the length and to the purview of uh, then VP Pence, there is no language that restricts him from doing that. Do you guys get where I'm going with this? If our Constitution is a limiting document that sets up the boundaries within which the federal government can work, then anything excluded from that document is open game. So you do not need any type of specific language that either restricts or pro no that uh, grants you don't need any language that grants the right for the Senate president to make that move because it's not restricted in the document. In fact, the only restrictions going on in this section is at the state level where the representatives and the Senate need to figure out what's what before the VP can move forward. What it does say is that the VP has to um, call for objections and cannot move forward until those objections have been satisfied. That's what I read, okay? And that's the way I understood that. With, with the umbrella of the Constitution being a limiting document, there's no specific language here that says the vice president cannot do what, um, what President Trump is saying can be done. There's no precedence for it. There's no pathway or there, there's nothing that this has never been done before, okay?
But what it does say is that unless these objections have been satisfied, the vice president uh, cannot move forward. Okay, so again, it says here, no votes or papers from any other state shall be acted upon until the objections previously made to the votes or papers from the state, any state shall be, have been finally disposed of. Okay. They can't move forward until the objections have been satisfied. They can't move forward until. Okay. Now, here you have, okay, here you have the very convenient January 6th false flag riots. And that's where we stand, ladies and gentlemen. So I'll leave that up to you guys to think about what you think about that. But that's kind of what I think about that. And that's why we now see, because there, like I said, there is no language here. So the rhinos, the communist Democrats, the mainstream, lamestream, shamestream, fake news, legacy, mockingbird, uh, progressive propaganda media, they're basically spinning a narrative that is part omission, part propaganda, and part lies, okay? And that is because they're hoping and they're counting on the American people not going back and reading that document, and they're counting and they're hoping for the American people to not understand the type of document that our Constitution is, okay? Because there's nothing in here that says that the VP can't do that. There's nothing in here that says the VP can do that. But they're going to make sure that the longest serving member of the Senate for the majority party will have that power. And all that the VP does now is open up envelopes like he's at the Grammy Awards or he's at the Golden Globes. And that's where it seems like this is going, ladies and gentlemen. But like I said, use your discernment, use your knowledge and understanding. Don't just take my word for it, ladies and gentlemen. That has been another episode of The Sea Report. All right, guys, it was a fun time tonight. I really enjoyed hanging out with all of you all. I hope you guys uh, uh, had a a value-added moment with us here again tonight, guys. Uh, let's see here before we back out. WC Cranop, thank you for gifting the shades and bubbles. Thank you for the can bubbles. I most definitely appreciate that. Um, and let's see, Deep State despises our constitution and always wants to screw with it. I, be- I amen to that, sir. Um, Aurelius Locke says, My gut still tells me it was a planned operation and Pence was a, a Trump piece. Uh, a Trump piece? Trump Pence? Yeah. I mean, I mean, all truths will be revealed, right? So we'll see what happens. In the meantime, I mean, it's just looking, to me, it's looking like he's uh, he's got uh, much less of a shot at um, uh, having a, a good or healthy uh, presidential run. And I can agree with that. Sean Joe, no, Mr. C. Pence was El Jefe. He was the boss of that operation, don't you think? All right, guys. Thank you again, uh, guys, for hanging out with me. Thank you all for thank you all who have been here since the beginning of today's episode. Uh, I really appreciate you guys and giving me a grace for my behavior. Don't give Mr. C coffee after 5 p.m., guys, because he gets kind of wacky. All right. With that said, uh, we will be on early tomorrow, guys. So we'll be on early sometime during the daytime. 
Um, still kind of mulling over exactly what kind of show it's going to be, but we'll have the sea report on the sea report on early tomorrow um, because I will be uh, hanging out with the Speak Uneasy um, in the evening. And uh, so, well, guys, we're going to be doing uh, it's um, the Speak Uneasy has a this is news uh, show uh, in the evening about I think it's about 10 p.m. Central Time, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, make sure you guys uh, go and catch that jazz. It's it's going to be a fun time, and uh, so we'll be on we'll be on before dinner time is what I'm trying to say for the Sea Report, or maybe at dinner time. We'll be on we'll be on early tomorrow, so we'll be on probably before 7 p.m. Just saying for all the uh, anyway. So you guys, uh, well, with that said, guys, I'm going to go and let you go. For everyone who's been hanging out with us over at the foxhole.app and pill.net, uh, thank you again for your attendance, patience, grace, and understanding. And uh, for those of you joining us on Twitch, hey, Curious Cat, what's up? Thanks for hanging out, buddy. Um, Curious Cat and uh, uh, the Speak Uneasy and uh, two dogs twitching too. <laughs> and for those of you joining us over at Rumble and Clout Hub, as always, uh, thank you again for uh, being present and uh, accounted for. With that said, ladies and gentlemen, the night has gone long. You guys have a great evening. Be safe. Be blessed. God bless America. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a good night, y'all.